and welcome back to Four Worlds Torah, digging for treasures in the Torah, treasures that matter for our lives and for the world. I'm Rabbi Charna Rosenholtz. This week, Rabbi Shoshana is on holiday, and we wish her great fun with her family. I will be sharing some words about Parsha Vayigash. Here, we are quickly approaching the end of Genesis, this strange tale of creation, which speaks to humanity's growth as we fulfill the will of the potential that our creator gave to us. In this story of a particular family, we hear about the good, the bad, and the ugly of their tales in the world. In fact, in all of these stories in Genesis and in the Torah as a whole, not once do we happen upon a person who is perfect in their behavior. We have stories of hurt, lies, treachery, betrayal, love gone awry, misunderstandings, and then some. You all know these stories. Torah does not sugarcoat the history of B'nai Yisrael. And I ask you, why is this? Why does Torah allow for the banality of human existence to be so clearly expressed? This is, after all, our sacred text, the lamp of God's will, the treasure chest of the Jewish people. Why do we go into this territory? Well, perhaps these stories teach us lessons of how to behave appropriately. We can learn from the mistakes of our ancestors and remember not to do the same things. Here, as we mine the story of Jacob, Joseph, Judah, and the brothers, we try to glean an understanding of how to deal with some of the coarsest elements of our own impulses and our interactions with each other. So let's review the story. Jacob, who was favored by one of his parents and slightly marginalized by another, repeats the familiar mistakes and openly favors one of his sons. This is the same Jacob who participated in trickery and lies to supplant his twin brother's role as the firstborn. His favorite son, Joseph, had many magnificent qualities, yet also was known for being arrogant, haughty, and a tattletale. He did not pay attention to his impact on his brothers and was hated for it. His brothers, who were known for their capacity for zealous anger, resented Joseph in every way and sought to deal with it, not through communicating, but through throwing him away. After Joseph's miraculous rise from slavery to viceroy, from the one in the pit to the heights of political power, the brothers are forced to fulfill the dreams of Joseph's youth by bowing down to him. Joseph concocts a series of tests for his brothers to see whether or not they have reconciled with their own heinous betrayal of him. This is done through placing his divining cup in Benjamin's sack of food in order to truly see if the brothers value the son of Jacob's beloved wife, Rachel. The divining cup in Benjamin's sack was a crime punishable by severe measures. You know, I realize that each of the heroes in our story had amazingly positive qualities as well. They had spiritual light and strength. Their hearts strove to be close to God and their loyalty to each other was great. 
They had capacity for inside growth and greatness, yet these qualities emerged through effort and humility. Just because we have the potential for these lights, it is not a given unless we work with it. In this week's Parsha, Judah approaches Vayigash. He moves closer to the Egyptian viceroy, whom we know as Joseph. The Or HaChaim says that this approach was Judah taking a huge risk and moving from his place far below the viceroy to moving on the other side of the guards and the interpreter. The viceroy allows it, and this forced intimacy gives Judah the strength to become fully vulnerable. He does not plead his case based on simple right and wrong. Judah puts forth an argument that is based on his heart's longing to see his father's happiness. Judah knows that Jacob can never withstand another loss of the beloved part of his family. He's lost Rachel. He's lost Joseph. He couldn't possibly lose Benjamin as well. So he petitions the viceroy for mercy for his father out of the compassion and empathy that Judah learned the hard way. Thus begins Judah's process of transformation. Let's break this down a bit. After all, we are mostly Judahites today. Judah's journey is also our journey. Judah, the agreed-upon leader of his brothers, concocted a plan to get rid of his pesky younger brother, to put him in a pit and sell him into slavery. Not once did he imagine the impact that he would have on his father. In fact, this lack of empathy and concern had to be rectified in order for Judah to become great. According to Midrash Tanchuma, God said to Judah, you have had no children until now, and you do not know the pain of children. You have tortured your father and misled him to say Joseph was torn by a beast. As you live, you shall marry a woman and bury your children, and you shall know the pain of children. Indeed, the story of Joseph, back in Vayishev, is interrupted by Judah's descent from family leader into his own story of moral growth and development. This is told through Judah's interaction with Tamar, his daughter-in-law. In the scene where the child that is to hold the line of Mashiach is conceived, Judah gives away his identity or pledges of identification to this woman whom he does not recognize. Through a series of events, he is forced not only to publicly recognize her, he, he has to learn both empty uh, empathy and the value of the other. He has to learn to truly see who is in front of him and to not resort to monetary or momentary impulses. Aviva Zornberg states, his growth to responsibility and leadership is calibrated on a gauge of pain and empathy. It is this growth that allows Judah to offer himself as a pledge or surety for Benjamin, which happens in this week's Parsha. He is suddenly now become invested in the process of becoming a righteous human being. In fact, in the story with Tamar, when he claims she is more righteous than I, he allowed for the ability to stand down when he was wrong. This quintessential Judah moment, ah, I was wrong and I will proclaim it publicly, 
is a great moral legacy for us all. Judah's ability to transform himself, to become what Zornberg calls a paradigm of responsibility and leadership, which hinges on his ability to feel another's pain and understand the impact of his actions and admit when he's wrong, this is all witnessed in his interaction with Joseph as he comes close in our Parsha. Without even knowing it, his personal growth becomes the rope that helps pull Joseph out of the pit of forgetting who he was and allows both brothers to fulfill their destiny. They can both fully claim their identities and take their place as the fathers of a messianic line. Judah through King David, Joseph through Ephraim. Judah's own pain and empathy become the foundation for his transformation. His speech to the viceroy, unbeknownst to him, his brother, is filled with petitions, prayers, even veiled threats. But it shows him as a man that is willing to be vulnerable, to learn from his mistakes, and to behave like a lion that perseveres. The Safat Emmet expresses this point in a play on words. When, he's, when it says, and he drew close, by Yigash Elav, Safad Emmet says, then Judah went up to himself, to his own essence, according to Zornberg again. This is a speech of self-analysis. Judith discovers a new vocabulary to be able to say something new. He is transformed. The intimacy that happens when he comes close allows himself to break down Joseph's barriers so that Joseph, who had to pull himself out of a pit several times, finally is able to reveal himself. In this story of divine providence, truth and reconciliation and personal transformation, we learn that arrogance and being right, triumphalism, certitude can stop us from our wholeness, our peace, our, our shalom. I want to suggest that our absolute certainty and belief that we are right can be like a false idol. Beliefs can become weapons that separate us. We can believe that we are so right, we lose the face of the other, hence we lose the face of ourselves. like Judah. We need to know when to say the other is more right than I. We need to learn how to understand our impact and to believe that for the sake of the other is a worthy motivation. Like Joseph, we need to know when to let down our mask, know how to modulate our certitude and how to move through life with humility. If we master these things, who knows what's possible? Perhaps we can truly have each other's back in love. Perhaps we can treasure each other. What could create a richer new year? Thank you, everyone, for listening, and Shabbat Shalom. Shalom.